Welcome to the newest episode of the Pool Cleaner Hour. Today we'll be discussing Galvarino, a truly badass character of history who you may know as a warrior with knives for hands. Around 500 years ago, in what were the earliest years of South America's Arauco War, an army of Spanish conquistadors plagued across the country like bloodthirsty savages, forgiving themselves under the banner of Christ as they burned, mutilated, and murdered their way across civilization. During this time, they fought against several thousand Mapuche Indians in the Battle of Laguanelis in south-central Chile near the Biobio River. In the pre-Spanish period, the Mapuche lived in scattered farming villages throughout the Central Valley. Each settlement had a cacique, or chief, whose authority did not generally extend beyond his own village. The Mapuche cultivated vegetables, they would fish, hunt, and they would even keep guinea pigs for meat. They were also well known for their llamas, which they treasured and held as a source of wool. A man's wealth was measured in terms of the size of his llama herd. The Mapuche had their own religious beliefs and cosmology centered around a dualistic struggle between good and evil forces. Their spiritual world was inhabited by a host of deities and spirits, with a supreme god, Gnichin, overseeing all. The Mapuche also practiced ancestor worship and believed in the power of Machi shamans, who played a critical role in their society as spiritual leaders and healers. The Mapuche are now very famous for their 350-year struggle against Spanish invaders. To resist the Spanish in the 16th, 17th, and 18th century, the Mapuche found they had to reorganize their traditional way of life. Widely separated villages formed together to create an impressive military, political, and economic alliance. Mapuche warriors learned how to use the horses against the Spanish, and Mapuche leaders emerged as strategists and tacticians very quickly. In anticipation of an invasion by the Spanish forces, who were under the command of Governor Garcia Mendoza, the Mapuche strategically organized their defense forces across three locations. On October 29th, Mendoza's army set out where he then dispatched a small force upstream to cut wood and build rafts. This was also partially done to purposely distract the Mapuche's attention. During this ruse, he used boats and specially constructed rafts to ferry his thousand horses across the river. This maneuver would prove successful, allowing his entire army to cross unopposed. Mendoza then advanced a league further south to some shallow lakes where he would encamp and send a small cavalry to scout ahead. The scouting party encountered the Mapuche forces where they were attacked, forcing the scouts to retreat while sending word to Mendoza about the advancing Mapuche. Concurrently, two Spanish soldiers who left the camp without permission to gather fruit stumbled upon a large Mapuche force lying in ambush, and although one soldier was killed, the other escaped, learning the camp of the enemy's proximity. On receiving these messages, Governor Mendoza dispatched reinforcements of 50 cavalry and 20 acubusiers, which were big guns with a fuck ton of gunpowder. This slowed down the pace of Mapuche advances through marshes and ponds. Alerted to the ambush, however, Mendoza hastily organized his forces for battle, successfully repelling the initial Mapuche assault. Soon after, his scouts and reinforcements returned, where a full assault would begin. Despite being outnumbered, the Spanish forces armed with guns, horses, and cannons pushed the indigenous people back into the marsh for protection. However, the Spanish infantry would pursue them further into the marsh, and after a fierce resistance, the Mapuche retreated into the wooded hills behind. 
the Spaniards cautiously pursued, aware of potential ambushes, and returned in the late afternoon with prisoners. The battle resulted in two Spaniards killed and many seriously wounded, while the Mapuche suffered 300 fatalities and 150 Mapuche prisoners. Among them was the young chieftain named Galvarino. Governor Garcia Hurtado de Mendoza ordered troops to sever the right hand and nose of each warrior. When it came to Galvarino, he didn't flinch, nor show a glimpse of pain. Instead, he offered up his other hand, and then told him to kill him or he would be sure to return. They did not kill him, but they did hack off his other hand. The brutalized warriors were then sent back home as a warning to their families. Surrender or else. Governor Mendoza was a seasoned military leader appointed directly by King Philip II of Spain, specifically to squash the Mapuche people. His tactics were often sadistic, and he believed that by displaying such brutality, he could break the will of the Mapuche and force them into submission. Galvarino and the dozens of other mutilated warriors were ordered to tell the Mapuche general Capilokian to surrender and prevent further bloodshed. Galvarino did no such thing. Instead, he urged his chief and his people to continue the fight against the Spanish intruders. As described by Pedro Marino de la Barra in Chronicle of the Kingdom of Chile, Galvarino went before the Mapuche, handless arms raised in the air, and told them what had been done to him. The Spanish would do to everyone else if they gave up. He would say, My brethren, why have you stopped fighting these Christians? The damage they have done since they've entered our realm and what they have done to me is what they will continue to do if we are not diligent in destroying these injurious people. Galvarino would then remind them of a previous hero and invoke the memory of Lataro. Lataro, a young Mapuche who had served as a page to the Spanish commander Pedro de Valdivia, the young man gained military experience by observing the Spanish and eventually escaped, returning to his people and using his knowledge to help lead the Mapuche in their fight against the invaders. Lataro played a pivotal role in shaping the Mapuche military strategy, using his first-hand knowledge of Spanish tactics to his advantage. Galvarino urged the Mapuche to resist the Spanish in the same tenacious style as Lataro, emphasizing the importance of employing strategic and tactical knowledge to strengthen their resistance. Then, Galvarino forged the blades that would become his new legendary hands, and although there isn't much description as to the length or the style of the hand blades, they'd be large enough and nightmarish enough that the Spaniards would see them in battle and not only piss themselves, but would never forget about them. These giant blades would become a form of immortality. Barely a month had passed since his torture when the blades were complete and Galvarino was given command of a squadron. They would ambush the Spaniards and obtain their revenge. Around 3,000 Mapuche warriors would attack 1,500 Spanish forces of November 30th, 1557 at the Battle of Milarapu. The battle was brutal and fierce, lasting from dawn to early afternoon. Unfortunately... Even though the Mapuche outnumbered the Spanish two to one, the horde of the bloodthirsty conquerors would easily overpower the native civilization. They were equipped with long-range crossbows, giant cannons, and steel armor. The technological advances and massed military experience of the Spanish invaders would prove to be massively overwhelming. Nearly all of them were killed, while only a small handful of Spanish were cut down. However, during this time, 
Galvarino would bring down the army's second in command. One account, as written by Geronimo de Vival, said that the knife-handed warrior motioned his troops forward with his blade as arms. He exclaimed, Nobody is allowed to flee, but to die, because you died defending your mother country. Ultimately, after facing truly impossible odds, the Mapuche were captured once more. There was no underdog moment. There was no last-minute saves. And many would say that they died doing something almost futile, almost pointless. But that was not how they would see it. Their sacrifice would not be meaningless because their memory would serve as an example for everyone after that. And for years, 500 years later, and we're still talking about this battle that very easily could have been forgotten. And we refuse to forget them because of this. Galvarino and his men were sentenced to hang. Alonso de Acelia, a Spanish aide who would later write the epic poem La Aricana, claimed that he tried to intervene on Galvarino's behalf, pleading for him to join the Spanish, to which Galvarino replied, I would rather die than live like you, and I'm only sorry that my death will keep me from tearing you to pieces with my teeth. Some claim that he was thrown to the dogs, while others say he was simply hanged, and others believe Galvarino killed himself first to rob his captors of the pleasure. There's absolutely no definitive record of how he died. In his death, however, Galvarino still found his immortality, for even though he died in 1557, his people lived on, and the Mapuche refused to forget him. They continued to fight the Spanish until the 1800s. The story of Galvarino became a rallying cry for the Mapuche people. No one would give up the war, even though the savagery of the Spanish sought to annihilate them all. Incredibly, the Mapuche culture survives to this day. Unlike the Mayans and the Incas who were slaughtered, and much of their past has been lost due to the Spanish conquest. Without the heroic example of Galvarino and the strength of his legend, the Mapuche people might have very well been obliterated. So as they went out to the battle, they knew that they would probably die. But they knew that it would serve as an example for everyone. 500 years after the war began, the Mapuche continued to claim ownership of their lands, and they fought whenever they were threatened. In consequence, they were treated unfairly and often with extreme cruelty by now Spanish-born immigrants. Long after his death, though, Galvarino kept serving an inspiration, symbolizing their demonstrable courage and tenacity when it came to defending their rights and their lands. And in 1825, Chile declared its independence, even though Spanish put up resistance to its declaration, even then. Around 10% of Chileans identify as Mapuche, though many claim some ancestry. Around 1.5 million Mapuche, Mapuche live in Chile, with an additional 200,000 living in Argentina. The Mapuche, like many indigenous groups around the world, are in constant demand for the return of their ancestral land. Recent protests in the capitals of Santiago and isolated violence in southern Chile make it a pressing contemporary political issue even in this country today. Even now, 2023, they are still fighting this battle. And although, yes, they are an independent country, people still see Galvarino and know what is possible. And that's it. That's a, It's a short one this week, but it's uh, one that I, I love talking about. I mean, how how badass though? I mean, I get it. It's dark, and, and and almost calling it badass 
can kind of take away from the just horror and extreme tenacity of it all. And it goes so far beyond action here as it goes, it goes fully into seeing a bigger picture. Galvarino, yes, he wanted to kill every single one, but he understood the symbolism. He understood the sacrifice and just standing against this. I mean, the, the Spanish army then, it's like a third world country going against the U.S. now. It's just this massive force, this unfathomably large threat. And he had his hands cut off. That's normally a, a career ender, a life, a life ender. And he said, no, I'm not done. The, the hatred that he felt for these people, and justifiably so, and the motivation he felt is incredible. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I will see you next Monday.